away from the meat monster. The meat monster is that little voice that tells us to crave the spotlight at the party. It is that voice that encourages us to glory in outdoing one another. It's that voice that we hear sometimes in our hearts and in our minds that says, me, me, me. And it's in all of us. So we can laugh at jokes about the me monster, but the truth is it's far from innocent. Self-centeredness is a caustic focus, an emotional state of mind, whatever you want to call it. It eats away at our relationships and our marriages internally. It's the cause of a lot of anxieties, complexes, and insecurities. Societally, on a large scale, self-centeredness is responsible for creating a lack of empathy, a lack of mercy, a lack of compassion that we see at work today. Self-centeredness is a monster in its truest sense. And I've had some questions about the picture on our bulletin this morning. That's a creepy dude on the front of the bulletin, by the way. We chose that on purpose because we wanted to emphasize the point that this is not an innocent thing. This is a sinister force that works in our lives. And the meat monster, sadly, lives in all of us. And that's why we're starting the series, Taming the Meat Monster. For the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about how to get a handle of this thing. It's probably impossible for us to completely rid ourselves of all selfish impulses or temptations, but by the grace of God, we can at least get a handle on this beast and tame it. So that's our goal over the next four weeks. This morning, we're starting off just by meeting the meat monster, learning to identify its voice in our lives. And how to do that, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to open up at Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen behind or pull open the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. And we're actually reading Philippians through this whole series. So you might as well just put a bookmark there because we're going to be there week after week. So when we look at chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 12 to help us identify the voice of the meat monster. And sometimes this monster speaks to us with a voice that sounds a little something like this. Poor me. Poor me. It's a voice of self-pity. We see a little bit about it in verse 12. Follow along here. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it's been, become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And he writes it as he's sitting in prison. And typically, there's only one way we think about prison, right? Like, this is not a good time when you're sitting in jail somewhere. But his situation is actually a little more dire than he lets on. We're going to read in a few more verses later on that he doesn't really know how this incarceration is going to end. It might end favorably with him being released, going as a free man, or it could end with him being executed. It's kind of a 50 50. So he wants to say, this is a pretty trying time in Paul's life here. And it would sound completely normal to us, probably, or reasonable, if instead of writing this, he had written, Woe is me! You know, here I am, an innocent man, sitting in prison, I've done nothing wrong, and yet my life hangs in the balance, God has abandoned me, life has betrayed me, poor, poor me. That's sometimes how the meat monster speaks to us in difficult times with this voice of self-pity. Now, I need to clarify here. There are times in life when it's completely reasonable and normal to feel discouraged or to experience some grief. That's just how we process things as human beings. And it's important that we 
into a self-centered prison of pity. Now, when you hear that word self-centered, your thoughts may immediately go to thoughts of vanity or arrogance or greed, but the truth is, self-pity can be just as self-absorbed and just as self-centered. When we start saying things like, poor me, you know, nobody has had it harder than me. My circumstances are the worst of the worst. Mine is the saddest of stories and the darkest of nights. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen for, for me. It's a prison in which we get caught in. We start looking at ourselves, our own negative circumstances, unable to see all of the good that is in our life, and being unable to see the plight in our lives of those around us. The meat monster loves to blind us to the good in our lives and to the plight of those around us. My wife used to work with a girl, she was a college girl in the university. She was working a steady job, she was paying the bills, she had good health, her family that was, was very loving and supportive, got along. By all accounts, she seemed to have a charmed life. But you couldn't know it by speaking to her, because all she could do was complain about how hard her life was and about how the situations were go the worst. And every time she spoke, I just thought, girl, why are you fishing for me? You don't need to promote other people, you got plenty all on your own. You know, you ever met somebody like that who's just trapped in this prison of negativity? They have fallen addicted to the me monster. They're not able to see just how blessed their life really is. I wanted to say to this girl, you have any idea how lucky you are to have a steady job. Zoomed in an area where a lot of people didn't. I wanted to say, wouldn't you have any idea how many people are working like dogs trying to pay their bills, but they still can't manage to get ahead? You think how lucky you are that your family is loving and supportive. You are a blessed person, and that's just compared to people in our immediate community. When you start looking at the other seven and a half billion people on this planet, you start to realize how lucky you are to have clean water, or to have multiple pairs of shoes, or any shoes at all, or to have a roof over your head. We are blessed people, even in the most negative and difficult situations of our life. But the meat monster will blind us to this. And it will fill our heads with lots of me, 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 or me. And that's what makes Paul's situation here so interesting. Because in this section, you don't hear anything that smacks of poor me. In fact, if you look at verse 12 again, somebody says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. In other words, they might think my circumstances were irredeemably bad, but they're just not the case. And instead, he rejoices that the gospel is advancing because of his situation. And I need to clarify for you here, this isn't just Paul trying to find a silver lining to a hard time. We're going to see by the end of our passage this morning, this is an entirely different way of seeing and understanding life. It's a way of life that has attained this new monster. So how did he do this? What was the secret? Well, we're going to get there. But we've got to look at this new monster a little bit more. These are the other voices he speaks to us with. For instance, sometimes it does say, poor me, but other times, the meat monster speaks to us in a voice that says, what about me? I got your attention on that. It's a voice of indignation. And you might think it's completely reasonable for Paul to feel this way in his circumstances, especially in light of what we find when we keep reading. Look at verse 15. It says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm good here for the defense of the gospel. The former, however, preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me among my chains. 
is a mean monster. And Paul seems to recognize this, which is why we don't hear anything that smacks about me. Yes, he was offended. Yes, he was trespassed. There's no getting around that. He doesn't hold on to it. Instead, he says, I'm just happy the gospel is preached, whether it be from pure motives or false. That's what I rejoice in. And again, this is not somebody who's just trying to find a silver lining. This somebody who's just looking the sunny side. This is somebody who sees and understands life differently because he has tamed the meat monster. So how do we do it? What is the secret here? Perhaps we will get there. But there's one more voice we need to hear and be weary of. The meat monster sometimes speaks to us in a voice that says, surely not me. I mean, other people, sure, but surely not me, right? It's the voice that assures us we are the exception to the rule. It is perhaps the most frustrating voice to try to help people overcome. So what Paul says in verse 18. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help you by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die in pain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will be fruitful labor for me. What should I choose? I don't know. I'm going to pause there for a moment. This is kind of a big chunk. We don't want people to check out and get lost. It's in this section we learn how dire Paul circumstances are. He says, well, if you release the rule, let me execute. I really don't know. What we do know is that whatever happens, represent Jesus well in his life. And he says, in fact, in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. By that he means if I'm released and I get to walk out of here free man, I'm just going to keep preaching the gospel like I always have. I'm going to serve Christ with my life and lift him high. But if I die, I stand to gain a phenomenal reward. I'm going to have folks. And frankly, he's a little torn as to which end he's really rooting for. And that brings us to verse 23. He says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy of faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So he's going to let him into his, his deepest desires. He's like, see what the I really want to go to heaven. That's kind of what I'm rooting for. You know, all this hardship, all this pain, all this imprisonment. I'm done with that. I really want that to be in the past. I'll just spend my afternoons, stroll down the streets of gold, and play 18 goals with Moses. That's what I want, folks. But as much as Paul wants that, he knows that's not how things are going to go down. In fact, he knows God has called him to continue serving, to put his wants and his desires aside so that he can continue to preach the gospel for the benefit of others. Now, understand here, Paul has been serving for decades at this point. He has been beaten, he has been stoned half to death, he's been put in prison, he's been slandered, he's maligned in the process, he's put up a, a lot of churches and baptized a lot of people. He has done his part. If anybody deserves a rest, it's this guy. Surely he can get what he wants, right? I mean, surely God won't call him to serve. Surely not me, God. You might not be surprised if somebody in a situation like that had said, surely not me, I'm the exception. Because it's somehow, sometimes how the voice of the new monster speaks to us with this voice that shows us I'm the exception to the rule. The speed limit is 55. Surely not me, right? I mean, I'm the exception. 
deer in the pants. Uh, okay, there we go. We got a few lots of people in the Hi there. I listen to that voice, and when an expensive traffic ticket later, I learned that that voice is a lie. I heard that if you eat too much junk food, you probably get sick. Surely not me, right? I'm the exception. I did that too. Friend and I ate 150 pepperoni pizza rolls and watched out Mountain Dew. It tasted great on them. We come back up on Splash. Yeah, I learned again. That voice is a lie. If you read the study for the ACT, you'll do fine. Many other people need to change their oil every 3,000 miles, but not me. I'm the exception. I listen to this voice a lot in my life. And every time I'm reminded about the hollowness of its promises, nothing ends the way you think it will. You see, the meat monster likes to lie, folks. And it will assure us we are the exception, but the truth is, we're not. We're not the exception to the things of this life. And we are not the exception to the things of God. I've heard that you have to follow Jesus if you want to go to heaven, but I'm a good person. Surely not me, right? I'm the exception. No, you're not. In fact, we read in Scripture that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the cure there is all. I mean, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, everybody sitting around you is a bunch of sinners. We are pros at sin. And that's the whole reason Jesus had to come to save us, because there's none of us that are capable to save ourselves, which is not good enough. But the new monster would have us believe otherwise. In fact, it's interesting, we are not exempt from the need for a Savior, but gives the good news, neither of these the invitation to come be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. We all need a Savior, and we all have been invited to come and to be saved. You just say yes and follow Jesus. And this morning, there may be some of you in the audience that haven't made that decision yet. And I want to encourage you, there's a piece of paper on the back of the seat in front of you, we call it a connection card. If you fill out your information on the back, there's a whole column of boxes. I want to learn more about Jesus, I want to learn about this, and so on. I want to encourage you to fill that out, even on your seat as you leave it, or maybe it's staff or something. I would love to contact you to help you get started on this journey of knowing and following Jesus and receiving this gift of life that he's inviting you to partake of. But whatever you do, please don't walk out of this room this morning believing why you are the exception. Because that's just the new monster talking. But that's not the only way that the new monster deceives us to things of God. We also heard in Scripture that we're all called to serve Christ and to share Christ with people in our lives. But far too often, we listen to the voice that says, Surely not me. Maybe other people, sure, but not me. I'm the exception. Surely God's not calling me to use my time to serve Him. Because you know how busy I am. Never mind the fact that we all have the same 24 hours a day. We're all busy. Other people sure, but surely not me, right? Surely God's not calling me to partner with him for my finances, to support the mission of the lives of other organizations, both abroad and at home. Surely he's not calling me. I'm the exception. Surely God isn't calling me to share the good news of Jesus with the people I care about in the hopes that they have the gift of eternal life. Surely he doesn't want me to talk about Jesus and what he means to me. Maybe other people, sure, I get that, but, but not me. I'm the exception. It sounds kind of ridiculous when you say that loud like that. But that's the lie that many of us buy into again and again that this is somehow about me 
voices, I can see the voice of Jesus because he's calling you to something this morning. You might be calling you to start a journey with him today. Or you might be calling you to something different. It might be a call to just rejoice and give thanks for all that has filled your life and how blessed you are. A call to stop saying, you me. Or it could be a call just to serve. Maybe it's put a face or a name on your heart and you know that this is what you were called to do, that you're not exempt from serving and sharing Christ. Or maybe that, that you have a situation in your life that you need to forgive somebody, show some grace, to heal that wound and move on. Maybe it's calling you to forget about the what about me offenses in life. I don't know what he's calling you to, but I know he's calling you to something. So my advice is take that step this week. Stop listening to the monster. Start listening to the master. That's right. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for your patience with us. We've seen what the meeting of life can do. We've seen how it hurts us, how it hurts those around us, how it hurts our community and our society. And so we thank you for showing us a better way. We are thankful that our sins are forgiven, but we also have an example of what selflessness and humility looks like Christ. And I pray that we would do everything we can to listen to his voice and imitate his example. And by the power of your spirit, we would walk in humility and selflessness. That we would give more than we take. That we would speak and encourage more than we hope to be spoken into. I just pray that we would pour our lives out in service to you. The way he poured himself out to save us. Father, give us the power this week. Amen.